We know it's seven o'clock in the UK, eight o'clock in Europe, and it is Wednesday night, and your night is always with us on a Wednesday. We enjoy coming to your home and bringing you some of the finest talent that we have in the music industry. And I'm so blessed each and every time to call each person a friend because somehow or another, we have all experienced being in the trenches, working together, doing what we do, DJing, maybe in the studio, or just being DJs at a shop and laughing and talking. But I'm going to say this to you. When Germany was starting to come up with what we call New York style house music, Chicago, New York house style in those days, we were lucky to learn of this brother that somehow found his place very quickly. And he's going to tell you this story. And I remember getting some of his first productions sent to me through the mail with a pigeon and a mail carrier used to bring me the vinyl to the house and they wrote on it. And I don't remember exactly what the writing was, but it said moose tea. And of course we didn't say moose tea. So I said, moosey tea. And it was, that's not what, no, no, it's moose tea. Then I get a call from their office, asking where I thought the record. I said, yo, the records are hot. And next thing I knew, not too long after, I was actually meeting this brother in his hometown of Hanover. And he's going to tell you that himself. But I want to bring up to the stage one of the most talented producers that came out of Europe in our house music scene. His name is DJ. Or should we say, <laughs> Mr. Sex Bomb himself, the sexiest man alive. <laughs> Nobody more sexier than this man. <laughs> Moosey T, Mr. Horny, 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 I am definitely not the sexiest man alive, but I am lucky enough to work for the most sexiest people around. Yes. <laughs> yes. He has, you know, there's people that actually created panty parties, right? Most yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Most understands all that. He understands. Oh, man. That's yeah. crazy. The longest bachelor, or should I say the longest bachelor I know in our music <laughs> <laughs> Not married, but oh always married, God. but always married, oh but not married. It's a fun exactly. thing. Exactly. He's married in many different ways. Trust me. He's a workaholic. <laughs> this guy's a workaholic. You are a workaholic. I've always I known am. about you. I the am. guy works yeah. more hours than there is hours in the day. Okay. And then on top of it, he's also a really good friend. And if he loves you, you can pick up the phone time and he'll talk. Even if he's in the middle of flights or doing a TV show, he'll he, I remember him saying to me, Lenny, I'm, I'm busy right now. I'll call you back. And he does. So I got to give it to you, brother. Welcome to the show. Of course, man. Of course. But so, good to see you, man. Good to see you. Thank and you. I, was, uh, I have to excuse myself because I was, I was literally in the studio like a half an hour ago. But then I decided I'll probably do this comfortably from the sofa. 
Yeah. You know, and so you got the, on the, on the, you know, I, my screen is basically on the left side. You see Lenny with this beautiful, amazing studio that I've never yeah. been to actually. So I need to come and we do have to do these tracks. I said that to and, you. Yeah. And I'm on the sofa. <laughs> That's okay. Cause you know what? You got the hard job, bro. You're going to be telling your story. So anyway, before I even ask the first question, I'm going to just ask this question because we, we were talking backstage previous to him getting right. the lighting. And I ask all the people that, you know, how are you coping and dealing with, with COVID? So can people, you know, your life changed dr- dramatically like everyone else, correct? Exactly. Like, like all our lives, basically. And um, I think we all agree it was a shock because nobody, probably Bill Gates, he saw it coming. He's a very clever man. But all of us, we said, like, you know, pandemic, you know, yeah, maybe Spanish flu back in the day, whatever. It hit us hard. And um, but I have to say, and that's what I love human beings for. Most of them, they're very, they're kind of like, okay, you know, let's see what we can do out of it. You know, let's be creative, you know, come up with new ideas, whatever. Obviously, some people really, really, you know, got hit hard, especially artists, you know, especially like people in like fields where, where basically you really depend on, you know, being with people. But, um, you know, I, I think, you know, I'm knock on wood, you know, hopefully most of us, you know, I mean, obviously we all have like friends who probably caught COVID or probably even died from it. So that's a bad, that's bad news. But, uh, but most of it, I think, I just hope as, 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 as humankind that we take something out of it, you know, it's, it's oh. great. They like, look, you know, I want to go back to partying or whatever, or to be with people or to go to all good. But let's remember this. That's the only thing, you know. Well, you know, I was watching an old movie yesterday, um, right around World War II, right after World War II. Right. And you can hear them saying in the movie, pre-war and post-war. You knew exactly right. what they were talking about. And I was saying to my wife, I said, we're going to be saying that as well. Oh, that happened pre-pandemic Crazy. or post-pandemic. You yeah. know, you'll yeah. see. What oh, wow. Saying? It's going to be in the history books. You know what I mean? So we did that pre-pandemic when we were free and crazy, but we had a crazy situation in the United States going on with politics. I don't want to mention the people's names. Leave yeah. that alone because <laughs> I want to leave that alone because I don't want to make people start sending me hate mail. And I don't want to be hate yeah, exactly. It's not that type of show. We're not here to discuss politics, but I'm just glad that, you know, hearing that from you, grounds us you know it really puts it into perspective and uh you know we wish you of course to always stay safe and because we need more moosty music you know that definitely i mean we need more music in general you know i guess so you know i mean like, as i said you know i just can't wait for instance can't wait to come back for, to new york to see all you guys you know to go yeah. to the studio with you you know to 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 you know all these memories that we have and stuff and that's something that's probably something which we always took for granted, all this like traveling and stuff. And I really missed it. I mean, it opens up a little bit in Europe, but, um, and I want to do it in a conscious way because obviously now, you know, since we all get older, we have kids and all that stuff, you know, now I want to make sure that, you know, I mean, I always want to travel, but I just want to do it in a conscious way because, you know, I'm, my heart is getting greener and greener every day. You know what I mean? So I just want to make sure that, uh, you know, we, we do it the right way. Okay. All right, so we'll be waiting for us. Hopefully, we can get to next six months, and we can come and put this behind us. But for now, since we're stuck on this little thing called the television and YouTube TV and all this stuff, we'll take and we're gonna bring some some enjoyment for the moment to everyone. Super. So let me come out. Here we go. 
Musti, first of all, I want you to tell people the ethnicity. Of course, we know you're German and I know your ethnicity, but you know, you can start from there, of course. And with this, the other part of the question would be, when does music find the young kid? You know, is it is it the instruction of learning music or is it listening to music? And that would be only by you, you could tell us. Right. Okay. I mean, let me let me briefly answer the first part of your question. I was born in Germany. My parents are Turkish. My dad, he was he was a doctor. He, he sadly passed away last year, but he had a great life. He was he he, he almost uh, made it to ninety four. So you know, all great. And he basically he was a doctor. He studied in Istanbul under a German professor back in the day. And then basically through him, he came to Germany in the fifties. And I got I was born sixty six. So you know. Uh, had a great childhood, you know, basically grew up German, you know, I can say that. And um, I was hearing a lot of music at home through my parents. My, my dad was listening to Turkish music and my mom, Fanini Love, I'm sure we're going to come back to that later. She was listening to Tom Jones. You know, he was huge in Turkey back in the day. So they knew him from his television shows and the shows he had in America and in England and stuff. So and to be honest, at a very young age, I hated both. You know, I didn't like I, I didn't like Turkish music and I didn't like Tom Jones because probably your parents listened to it and that's not cool. You know, that's as simple as that. So, um, you know, a little a little uh, um, uh, wind forward, basically. Um, at one point, your dad asked you, look, you know, son, you want to learn an instrument? And I'm like, yeah, you know, why not? And as and, and he said, he said, like, you want to do the piano or you want to do the organ? And I decided uh, to take the organ uh, route because, you know, the organ had just like, you know, more, more electronics and more knobs and whatever. So I did that. And then like a year later, I kind of like felt, okay, I'm going to school and I'm doing this like after school. So it's, it's just a little bit of school for me. You know what I mean? So it squeezed in one day. And I was pretty, I, I, I'm not sure if you want to call it talented or something, but it was a class of six pupils. So, you know, I, I just, you know, whatever I had to do, I was fast. And I said, I said, like, look, this is kind of, you know, getting close to boredom. Dad, you know, would you would you want to be so kind to sponsor me, like, my first little synthesizer so I can do my stuff at home? And he bought me my first Roland JX3P synthesizer, which I still have, which I still use, which I now see popping up with people like Purple Disco Machine, all these, like, cats. Here. They use it, so I have to, I have to dig it out again. And... Uh, that was my first encounter, basically, of doing music. And, and uh, I mean, back then, obviously, speaking way before the internet times and stuff. So oh, yeah. I was listening to music. And, and as you guys know, you know, we had the, after the war, basically, we had Germany, Germany in, like, sectors, basically. So you have the American sector, you have the English sector, the French, whatever. And where I come from, basically, it's... Um, uh, the British were there basically, so they had their own radio stations. You you could you you could you could listen to John Peel on the radio. Uh, British British forces uh, uh, broadcasting um, and all that stuff, and which gave us access to amazing music. So I was listening to that. I was taping that, and I'm not sure if I'm doing the chronologics right. But at one point, I was list I was sitting in front of the radio and I was taping. And uh, I always loved, you know, I always loved amazing voices. I love groove, I love funk, I love whatever, you know, that, that kind of, I, I kind of soaked it in. But a little forward, basically, I was sitting in front of the radio 
And something very, very strange happened. This beat came on. I was like, oh my God, what's that? Very erotic, very kind of like newish because you were like, hang on, is that live drums? Is there any live instruments? What is she singing about? Donna Summer, I feel love. Really? And that's, you know what I mean? And you probably, you know, and that, I don't know. I mean, it did something to me, you know, it kind of like really opened my eyes and like, oh my God, what is, and that's why I kind of like, I really I wanted to know how they did it. You know, who did it? Obviously, great, great uh, Giorgio Moroder, Donna Summer, you know, great. So, you know, that really opened my eyes for kind of like, okay, there's different music to just live music, which I adore, still adore. Uh, but uh, this opened my eyes to kind of like electronic music back in the day. Wow. And this is now, when you heard that, was that when it first came out, the record? Was it on the radio, like, around 1977, 78, around that time? I think uh, probably not the first day or something, because, you know, it's still... The first you know, day, the, you know what I'm saying, you know. Yeah, but, but that, that yeah, I would say probably, like, late 70s, you know. Say, say like, say 87, you know, 97, uh, uh, 97 something, uh, sorry, 70, 78, 79, yeah. That's what I was figuring, because over here, that record was huge. Huge. Crazy. Huge. Crazy. Well, we pre to that. What we first heard from Giorgio was Love to Love You Baby. That was the yes. first record that really hit. That was totally yeah. different, electronic sounding. Nothing like sound like that before. Well, I mean, the concept, now that you say it, you know, which I'm, I was probably, I was a young, young, young boy. So I was very aroused by that, basically, when you have a beautiful lady like Donna Summer. I'm not even sure if you saw like anything on TV or something, but Love to Love You Baby is just like 10 minutes of moaning. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, the same basically with the uh, with the same concept basically with I feel love, but on a like totally different you know pair of music you know amazing. So it really worked you know because it really kind of you know gets your attention the way he did it. You know, crazy guy, amazing. And you probably know Giorgio, so you know he's um, a legend. Yeah, he's so, brilliant. You know. He's a, he's he's very brilliant. I mean, yeah. pre to him, who else did that? No, Maybe but, there I mean, was other people. Yeah, but 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 you know, it was really back back in the day. It it, it must have been so daring to to go that route, right? I'm the only other other kind of like daring, you know, which is like something totally else. But you know, where you when you think about it, it really blows your mind, and you know how it like influenced us producers is Kraftwerk. That's it's another all, you know numbers. Thing. All those records, Tour de France. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. So no. those two bands, well, Giorgio's not a band, he's a producer, and Kraftwerk with pretty much, let's call them the true architects to what the electronic sound was going to Very well out. said, yeah. Very well said. And that's so everything. That all around you, right? So that's all around you. That's yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, again, you know, Kraftwerk was basically around me, but but us not having, you know, the access to for in internet or media back then, it didn't really matter if they were coming from like two hours away from you or from over the pond. You know what I mean? It didn't really matter. You you still had to rely on what the radio gave you back, back in the day, you know. Well, that's all you had. Either that or you watched five channels on television or three. Exactly. Or we, we, we had three. We had three Sorry, channels. Three, yeah, I'm saying three. <laughs> We had five in America and one yeah. in HF in New York. So you had six channels wow. and, and X amount of FM radio stations. So now 
when you said you were bored, did you say that to your father? I'm bored, you know, doing the organ. I need a synthesizer. Did you say that to your father? Or did you say it to the musical teacher that was teaching you at the time? No, basically I said it to my, I said it to my dad and I'm not even sure how I said it to him because he's, he's, I mean, he was a wonderful man, but he was very, very kind of like, he was pretty, you know, look, you have to study, you have to, you know, I'm sure I, I didn't go then and say, oh, I'm dead, I'm bored, you know, let me do something else. I probably put it in a very clever, subtle way, but uh, he got it, you know, that, I mean, that, that was uh, very lucky. But the funny thing is, he supported me back then, but then when, when, it, when, when I got serious with the music, he hated it. That's so coming to that. That's how I want to Yeah, because obviously, as I told you before, my dad was a doctor and he said, like, look, if you, if you want to become somebody like, you know, if you want to make it back in the day, you have to study. You know, you have, you have, to, you have to do something serious. And I like that you, yeah, and, and I love that you do music and stuff, but that's not a serious job. You can't, you know, you can't do it. He basically told me not to do it. And then I was like, yeah, cool, I got it. And I saw my dad and how he was passionate and stuff about what he did. And I totally got it. But luckily enough, and you, and you know the feeling that artists, you know, sometimes you can't help it. You know, it just the art just comes through you. And then probably way too late, probably in my early 20s. But then, I, I, you know, I stood up and said, like, look, dad, I know, you know, I'm studying and I'm, I'm doing, you know, I didn't do medicine. I, I studied economics. And then I, I have to stop it. You know, I just can't. And then we fell out over it. We fell out over it and just, just, just to, just to finish it because I, I know chronologically I'm totally messing it That's up. That's all right. You don't have to worry about it. Don't worry yeah, about it. But, so we fell out over it and he was always worried. Oh my God. And how is he going to make a living and stuff? He didn't know that I was having a living. You know, I was working, I was doing my remix on a very low, low, low level, but I was, you know, DJ, whatever. And then years later, 98, when, which is, I don't know, funny coincidence because Horny came out that year. But I was nominated for a Grammy for the best, you know, as the best remix, which which happened the first time this category, basically. And he received a letter from our mayor congratulating him. He didn't congratulate me, he congratulated my dad. But 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 he basically came up to me with a letter in his hand, tears in his eyes. And I was already, literally, Lenny, I was already doing my thing for like six, seven years or something, way before that. And... He was like, son, I did not know what you were doing. I did just didn't know, you know, and then, and then he was happy and relieved, but you know, very late. <laughs> so let me just take it back for a second. Did he have in his mind that you were going to follow him and become a doctor or some level of medicine? Yes, that was exactly. his plan for you. Like I have yes. plans for you, Musti. The plan was for you to become a doctor, basically. Yeah, de definitely. And and to be honest, I mean, I don't know if you want to talk about it, how your how your parents felt back in the day, but obviously every parent always wants the best for the kids. And they go like, look, you know, and I have a practice and, you know, I want you to follow. And even if I would have done something else, but just like being a doctor and child doctor or whatever, he would have been, you know, happy. And to be honest, it's it's a great job. It's Don't get me wrong. It's a fantastic, mind-blowing, probably the best job on the planet, you know, but... You know, it wasn't for me. No, and we know that now. Totally. Yeah. But when I first met you... Go ahead. But how about you, Lenny? How about you? How, how, how did you, your parents... What I'll did your parents have, have the vision? <laughs> what was that? Very simple, I tell you. You're going to be <laughs> on the street corner. We want to hear it. Here we go. You're going to be on the street corner like the guy with the saxophone. And the thing, <laughs> you're never going to make it. Wow. 
same thing. Yeah, same thing. My father had plans for me to follow him to become a stockbroker in the New York Stock Exchange and have wow. my own seat. And I would, I tried it. I just wow. I can't do this. I can't do this rest of my life. It was tough. And you know this when you are creative to do a job that is basically the same way every day, like with numbers, like accounting, it becomes very mundane. You know, it's hard. And when you know you could do this music thing and you, you start to get a taste of success, it's difficult to but that's uh, something, something very important that you just said, Lenny, because I think success and that I think I would love every artist to have this taste of success because then whether it's, three months after you started or 30 years, whatever. But that's so, so vital for an artist, you know, to really, to really have this like, oh, okay, that's what I achieved and basically giving you a thumbs up to continue. You know what I mean? And that's, and that was, I think, what worried our parents back in the day. They, they, you know, I mean, being an artist, I mean, we grew up, you know, seeing Michael Jackson on stage. Big time. That was, you know, that's what, you know, and, and we basically not, you know, want to become a Michael Jackson or something, but actually do something in that field, which is not nowadays. It's kind of like people, you know, it, it, it comes closer to people because of like social media and stuff. But back in the day, it was impossible. Remember the rates of studios. Remember oh, the rate. Yeah. Oh, everybody could, 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 you know, could do that. You well, know? you had to be committed. And if you were committed to make this record from inception to delivery, you had to have at least, in those days, we used Deutschmarks, right? So equivalent yeah. to U.S. dollars, you had to be at least minimum 3,000 U.S. into the record, right? We used to say a minimum. Exactly. exactly. Without like going Michelin crazy. Studios, whatever, you know, yeah. Without going crazy. Exactly. When I first hung out with you back in the mid-90s, we spoke about, you know, I said to you, what were you doing pre to, you know, the house thing? And I remember you telling me that you were in a band. Yes. And you had with probably one of the first European bands to cross into Russia when Russia still had the old communistic way. Right. I can't even remember this, but I remember us having this yeah. conversation because I remember we were by your MyTech board and I said, what'd you do pre to this? And you says, oh, no, we, we were gigging and we had to disband. So I'm going to let you tell the story, but I understand your father's care and worry. Because it's difficult when you don't understand our world and you're afraid for the children in our world. Because this business can be ugly and hard at times. As pretty as it can be, it also has an ugly side too. No, no definitely. But, but then, then again, you know, just like to finish on this topic that um, back in the day, I mean, it, it was basically you had to know people or, or you had to have a lot of money to kind of like, have a step into this world. Now everybody, you know, I switch on whatever, YouTube, Netflix, Google, whatever. I can look, oh, that's how a studio looks like. Oh, cool. Go to Instagram. I'm going to follow him. I'm probably going to get some inspiration of that guy, blah, blah, blah. Back in the day, that was not existence. You really have, have to, you know, some, either you have to be like really kind of uh, foolish or something or, or, you know, be, be, you know, really daring to do that. You know what I mean? So, and, 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 uh, uh, my my luck, my kind of like dare was that at one point I I look I was looking and, and or probably not looking actively, but you know, like-minded people, we kind of got together, you know, and, and obviously in a team you're kind of stronger. 
So basically, back then, you know, I met my I met my business partner, um, Errol, who I started Peppermint Jam with, and uh, you know, and he came from from the UK. He was a dancer back in the day, but he was like, you know, a very creative guy. I was doing my thing, so we met in one band that got him as a as a singer, me as a keyboarder, and then we left the band again and started do, doing our own thing. You know, then we wrote music, you know, did, did all this stuff. You know, had local local gigs. <coughs> excuse me and um finally recorded you know that's like a little 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 forward recorded uh, a song so we went to frankfurt who this producer hans Hahn, this german guy he actually produced uh delegation so that's like we know that band some of us and we went to the studio and it was cool and we did this pop house house record whatever and uh, there was quite, you know, I wouldn't say it's a big success, but at least, you know, Eastern, Eastern countries, you know, they loved it. So we went over to Russia and played, uh, played this massive, I mean, we are like a tiny band, but still the promotion was so, or probably they thought we're somebody big or something, you know, people were losing our minds when we left the hotels back, you know, it was like beginning of the 90s. It was, it was crazy, seriously. And I was like really intimidated by that. But it was a great little little glimpse of hey, this you know this is fun. You do your own music. You can probably you know live on it, live from it one day, and and you know people love it. It was great. So that was actually the beginning of the of your music journey. That basically and being on the road, learning to deal with others in a band because it's also band politics. Right. Not something easy to deal with. So many different egos. Everybody has something to say. Everyone has. Everybody knows better than you. So uh, you're dealing with, you know. Well, no, yeah. <laughs> I, I have so much. I mean, just look at the, all these bands like Nirvana or Foo Fighters, whoever you know. I mean, I mean, that's like almost like small functioning states in themselves, in itself, right? Right. Like a big state where you have to be democratic, where you really have to kind of like, okay, let's do it the right way. It's crazy. You know, crazy. How long did you stay with the band before the band disband, dismembered? Uh, dis- I mean, the band basically was was Errol and myself. So you know, we we stayed together for a long time. You know, we 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 now go in separate ways, but we built a lot of stuff together. So and then at one point, obviously, we loved you know that you could create something on your own, and then you know that's what we did. We we wrote songs. You know, we 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 kind of like you know. Then I I started I started uh, uh, my little own studio. With another partner back then, you know, we got little remixes, we got productions, you know, everything grew a little. And um, then at one point, um, uh, we made this move to a bigger studio in Germany, uh, in, in Hanover, sorry. And Hanover was a big music city, but only in rock. So you had like the Scorpions coming from there, like other big bands. And I went to the studio and said like, look, it's all cool, but let me be your guy for the groovier side of things. You know what I mean? For like really cool, groovy, clubby, whatever. And I was, you know, I was doing everything. I was doing reggae, funk, soul back then. And then obviously, and then, and then almost like parallel after I finished, I finished school, I started DJing as well. I, I was just like, you know, I was collecting records. I said DJing and the place I DJ, small place, but the good thing is I could play anything from like, you know, from blues to rock, Chicago house, whatever. So it really gave me a beautiful, um, upbringing on music basically. And, um, yeah, so being in this bigger studio, so, you know, we started at one point, we did all these great tracks 
And it was very much because I was collecting records and I was the, all the imports from the US and the UK and I was, I was addicted to it. But obviously being in Germany, it was very tough to get labels interested for US house music. Very true. I was trying to do back then, kind of emulating and stuff. And, and we're, we're almost okay. This is like two, two, you know, two ways. Either we stop doing it and do what the people like over here. And the, which was back then, it was a lot of like trance, you know, Euro, Euro pop, whatever. Sven Fate was very big in techno. Or we do our own label, you know, which we did. We started Peppermint Jam in 93. And uh, basically said, like, look, you know, we're going to release, release the music we love. But we did it in a clever way because we mixed our own releases, you know, like the home, the home releases, basically, with stuff that we licensed. And I'm not sure how we started it, but the first releases, I think it was, the, the project was called Shake Your Ass, and it, it, it consisted of, I think, Eddie Perez, he did some stuff, Kerry Chandler did some stuff on it. So for us, it was a great way to kind of like have a, you know, that, that get noticed from people, basically. We both obviously carry huge name in house music, Eddie Perez, Smack Production, huge name, and that helped us on the journey. I remember that. I remember that yeah. first single coming over on a white label. I remember yeah. that. And so I was saying, I couldn't remember exactly what the song was called, but I do remember saying it said Moosty on it. And yeah. I remember talking to you guys. Um, and we, I remember, we met in Miami, right? The first time, yeah. Didn't we meet in Miami the very first time? Or were you over? No, I was over already. I came to say, yeah, because yeah, I was playing in England and then Mona wanted me to come there and. Errol was talking to me and you guys were developing the sound and it was going really good. You know, the question was... I mean, we, so, sorry, Lenny, but we know each other almost 30 years, man. Seriously. <laughs> say, say that one more time slower because I think you need to hear it. So we know each other almost 30 years. Right. 30 years. 30 years. Mama, yeah, crazy. And, How, and, great is it? How great is that? And here's the funny part. We act like kids when we all get together. Like, like yep. kids. Really crazy. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. One quick funny story was we were all on tour together. Yvonne was, remember Yvonne? Oh, from yeah. Roughneck. Everybody, Roughneck wants to be somebody. Wow. What a beautiful lady, yeah. May she rest in peace, but Yes. I remember about an hour or two into the ride, she's yelling in the in the van saying, Why are we going in circles? <laughs> you remember that story? <laughs> Why are we going in circles? I remember I was sitting in the back going, What do you mean we're going in circles? I keep seeing the same name over Osfart. Osfart. Osfart is the German name for exit, but it basically looks like a you know, like the the name of a city. It's so funny. So we're, we're cracking up so hard because she thought we really go in circles, you know. Musti so goes, he starts crying. You see Musti get out of bed like this. No. No. Don't miss the rest of this wonderful interview. Search for part two on the internet and listen to the rest of the story.